This is the Gambling Gauchos. Hey, if we keep playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say, what's next? That's all we do. Somebody turn on some damn You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech. Betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need. Money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be that day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro And Ryan Mainville. The line matadors. The Casino Cowboys. The Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. The Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Brody's Kyle Jacobson. And Ryan, Money, Mainville, Texas Tech won a basketball game. Patrick Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl. We're on top of the world, guys. How you doing? And Zach McPherson. And Zach McPherson. And uh, I guess that's it. It was either Zach McPherson or Kerry Hyder. Yep. Out of the NFC. Kurosek and Anthony Lynn. All of them. Big Hand already chiming in. Y'all mind if we have a weekend? Do not mind. Don't mind if I do. Don't mind if we do. Uh, where do you guys want to Let's start with basketball and then get back to, the, well, I don't know. It's so fresh. You want to talk about the Chiefs first? Sure. Let's do Chiefs first. Patrick Mahomes uh, gutting it out. Uh, six for six in my prize picks. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, getting to pay for the Super Bowl party for everyone. Um, great championship weekend. Start with the Eagles 49ers. Shanahan was really good through three quarterbacks this season. Can't be great with the fourth quarterback, uh, especially a guy who came in late. Uh, AFC fame. Uh, AAF? What was he in? Was he in the USFL? AAF? XFL? XFL. Legend in his own right, Johnson there. Uh, The Eagles look really good. But did the Eagles have the easiest run to a championship appearance of all time? With the Giants and the Hurt 49ers? Yes. Maybe the easiest... NFC Championship run to a Super Bowl that I can remember. I mean, they'd already beaten the Giants twice. Terrible matchup for the Giants. Uh, Brock Purdy getting hurt ruined all of their chances. Tough. On the other side, the Chiefs uh, going through a couple of tough games uh, with Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. Uh, we saw the Burrowhead comments leading up to the game. Chris Jones 
dropped Burrowhead three separate times in his closing press conference this week. Uh, the fans were incredible through the first quarter. Were great the whole game, but just on another level in the first quarter. They settled into the game a little bit once Burrow had some success, but two early penalties, four sacks early, just incredible atmosphere. And immediately after the game, Travis Kelsey, Burrowhead, my ass. This is Mahomes' house. Legendary line. Did you see Mahomes walking in pregame through the tunnel? Yeah, pushing his glasses up like this. Hit him with that move right there. Yeah, this one felt... I mean, look, there's always a lot on the line in the AFC Championship game, but this is a stage that Mahomes has been on. This was his fifth time. This one felt like it had some extra juice, though. And, man, when we talked about it beforehand, Rob, you asked me back before the divisional round, who would you rather see the Chiefs play? I said the Bengals. They have to get that monkey off their back. And it was looking bad there in the fourth quarter. I was like, man, we're about to enter a narrative in terms of, like, the legacy talk. We're about to enter the narrative that Mahomes can't even win at home against Burrow. And, you know, that would have been hard to recover from from a legacy standpoint. And they gutted it out. And, you know, quarterbacks on a team win. He did have a great play at the end there, did just enough to win. But uh, the Chiefs defense had some key plays. Special teams had some key plays. Uh, man, they're just devastated by injuries, but did enough to win the game. Chiefs defense, first two drives, last two drives was incredible and pretty good in the middle. It only gave up 20 points. The pick, the tip drill pick on the second to last drive, and then the the final drive, obviously, with the sack to finish the game off. I mean, really good. I thought Andy Reid lost the game on the surrender punt, giving the ball to Joe Burrow. I, I did. I was I was done. Field goal wins it. It's over. Ryan, what'd you think? Fun football game. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, after watching 49ers game earlier, it was terrible. Um, anytime you get a, a stinker like that on championship weekend, it's a bit of a letdown. And so to have this one go down to the wire with all of the all the talk that was surrounding the game in the beginning – um yeah i just that's a huge win uh they lost a lot of guys in the process we'll see what they look like in a couple of weeks uh i just checked the line on action right now eagles are two point favorites so um we'll see how that line shifts as as the super bowl gets closer but man talking about the defense uh, i really do think that that's kind of the the formula that texas tech's defense tried to apply this season was you kind of live and die by the pass rush and you allow the secondary to make plays whenever you pressure the quarterback and felt like they kept bending, uh, but they didn't always break. And yeah, it was just a, a fun football game. I, I enjoyed it a lot. You mentioned some injuries. Um, the early one to Sneed, I thought was going to be more impactful. Obviously it was late. You see the tight end get out of the, the slot a couple of times. Um, you can't duck your head like that and hit. I, I mean, he knocked himself out. You would assume with two weeks, though, he'll be back. I don't want to assume too much. A couple of other injuries tonight. Uh, give Mahomes an extra two weeks. Who knows if that's a good thing or bad thing with a high ankle sprain. Uh, they generally take four to six, but that'll be three. So 
should be healthy here for a Super Bowl. And this is the one I wanted, you know, one seed versus one seed. Kelsey brothers in the mix. Obviously not the Cowboys, but if it wasn't the Cowboys, I think this is going to be the best game. I think I liked the Eagles up to about four. I thought it was going to open more like Eagles minus three and a half, Eagles minus four. Um, I think at FanDuel, like right after the game, I think it opened close to a pick And maybe some places it's starting to go more like Eagles minus two, like Money said. Um, at less than a field goal, I'm inclined to take Philly just because of the injuries and they've just been so solid all year. Uh, I think they might be the the better team on on the defensive side of the football. And without knowing if Mahomes is going to be full strength, plus all those other guys. I mean, the, the Chiefs were trotting out guys that I had literally never heard of. Kemp, and that they, was his first catch of the year. Uh, when he came in, I was like, who is Kemp? Yeah. Like, I don't know who that guy is. And I, I mean, I'm not a... I'm not a guy who knows the NFL as good as, you know, I don't watch it as much as I watch college. I was like, I feel like I've heard of most of the Chiefs receivers. And so when Kemp came in, um, there were other dudes. I was like, I've not even heard of this guy. I have a couple questions for you here, Kyle, off the chat line. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was this a quad one win? For the Chiefs? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, And then also, are, are the Eagles the Chiefs Super Bowl? Or are the Chiefs the Eagles Super Bowl? Yeah, I think so. I think you could say that. Uh, another question, is this uh, Jalen Hurts' legacy talk? I, I know this is a joke, but uh, no. Not not in the same way that the Bengals' Burrow Mahomes' legacy talk was involved. Legacy talk will be much more heavily leaned toward Mahomes throughout this uh, two-week stretch. If he can win a second out of five – uh, that's pretty good trajectory. Yeah. Jalen Hurts uh, today kind of epitomized getting an A on the group project without doing much, but you know, he didn't have to as well as their defense was playing. And yeah, Mahomes, you know, you're looking at it. Um, this is only his fifth year as a starter. And if that concludes, I mean, he already has a great kind of foundation in terms of this, this legacy talk, five division titles, three Super Bowl appearances, probably going to get a second NFL MVP this season. If he wins two Super Bowls in his first five seasons, what, he's, what is he, 27? Um, you've kind of laid the foundation for like, okay, we could be a decade from now having some pretty serious conversations. Uh, I remember this was a, de- uh, a debate on first take or one of those. Maybe it was the other one with uh, what's, what's Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp's show called? Um, un, un, undisputed. undisputed, undisputed. I was. It was on one undecided. of those. It was after after Mahomes' second season when he won MVP his first year, Super Bowl MVP the second year. Could he retire and be a Hall of Famer after two seasons? <laughs> and one of them thought yes, one of them thought no. But um, I think he could like legitimately retire after five seasons and probably be a Hall of Famer. Um, but yeah, there's there's kind of a very select group of guys that have more than one Super Bowl championship as a quarterback. And uh, he has an opportunity to do that in two weeks and still has several years left in his prime, hopefully, to also take another crack at at adding to his tally. So it's exciting stuff in that respect. I think also maybe an underrated aspect of the legacy talk will be Andy Reid's legacy talk. Um, It's kind of already been discussed a couple of times through this playoffs. Is he the greatest coach in the NFL right now? And maybe, maybe ever? 
Like I, I think he's encroaching, not not quite Belichick, not quite Chuck Noll, these guys who have three or four Super Bowls to their credit, but I think Andy Reid now is encroaching in top five coaches of all time, kind of quietly. He went to five NFC championships, one Super Bowl with the Eagles. They fired him. He immediately went to the Chiefs and made them a 10-year you know, powerhouse. So they finally get Mahomes and cross the threshold. But if he can win a second Super Bowl, uh, I think he will really cement his legacy as one of the greatest of all time. I think I think it's a question now, but if he wins multiple Super Bowls, I think he really, really sets him up for some some good conversations in that respect. Kyle, you don't you don't agree? I'm not there on Andy Reid. He, he's choked so many times in the playoffs. I think it it negates the the highs. There have been so many just like really bad lows, not bad seasons, but just like. Blown leads in the playoffs, losing as a favorite, losing at home. Like you look at his resume, like okay, he should have had four Super Bowls by now or something, and then he'd be in that conversation. But he's, I mean, until Mahomes got there, he kind of had a reputation of just being a postseason choker over yeah. and over. Yeah. So he's been I mean, he's, twenty years. He's a really good coach. Great in the regular season. Very good resume, but I wouldn't put him in that top five conversation at the moment who's in who's the best coach in the nfl right now kyle shannon okay (laughs) really what really yeah really okay i mean i i I would put him in the top five he's one throw away um from having the exact same resume as andy Reid, more or less and he did it with nobody near the talent of patrick mahomes yeah well andy's been there for 20 years like let's okay and he has one he has one super bowl title and it was against kyle shanahan when jimmy garoppolo was about one foot away from clinching that so if you gave kyle shanahan a guy like patrick mahomes yeah you know be unreal i think super Bowls are important in my opinion i think super Bowls are important but there's also you know longevity and 10 win seasons and conference championships and and all that too that i think how long has andy reed been doing this 25 years as a head coach. Okay, do you think 20 years from now, Kyle Shanahan might have one Super Bowl to his name? Might, but I said this year. Yeah, Yeah. so Kyle Shanahan's like, what, 38? Wonder kid. So like, yeah, he's 20 years light on experience versus Reed. And right now in Super Bowls, he's got 28 to 3 as the offensive coordinator and a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs and Andy Reid that he collapsed in. If you gave, I don't know if he collapsed. I mean, he dialed up a great play, and Jimmy G missed the throw. Yeah. If you gave, if you gave Kyle Shanahan the Chiefs roster for the last five years, would he have at least one Super Bowl? Yeah. Well, so does Andy Reid. Right. He, he only has the one. Right, but does he have the Chiefs roster? Does who have the Chiefs roster? And uh, Kyle Shanahan. No. I would argue. I would argue he has a better roster in some respects. No, he besides, doesn't. Besides the quarterback. And that's kind of a big asterisk. Sure. I mean, besides the whole Patrick Mahomes to Josh Johnson drop off, very comparable rosters. Yeah. Well, I mean, when Brock Purdy was out there, very comparable. Yeah. Well, pump take Purdy. Kyle Shannon, I, you know what? I When I asked that question, I thought you were going to say um, the Vikings coach. So respect to you for not saying that. I think you could make an argument for Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. Sean I guess McVay. you could make an argument for Bill Belichick, although I, 
I don't know anymore. Have you seen his numbers with and without Tom Brady? Yeah. It is stark. Also pretty small sample size without Brady. Sure. Well, before and after. And like, you know, he doesn't have a – I don't really – so the NFL is a harsh business, and guys like Matt Rule know this, but GM does absolutely nothing for him. And they're like, all right, we're going to fire you after giving you Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and whoever is your starting quarterback. Like, the deck is totally stacked against you. So Bill Belichick would like – an aging Cam Newton and Mac Jones slash Bailey Zappi is like a little bit of an unfair comparison versus all the Brady years. Right. Well, you can also go back to, you know, Cleveland and uh, Drew Bledsoe. Oh, yeah. The, the Clinton administration. Yeah. Well, I just. Yeah. yeah, you could do that. He's never won a, a division championship without Tom Brady. Uh, Briggs says Mike McCarthy is the best coach in the NFL. Uh, Ryan Bradley throws out Bill O'Brien. Back to the NFL as the offensive coordinator. Uh, speaking of Mike McCarthy, new offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy. Uh, thoughts on that, Ryan? Uh, well, so I saw the Keller Moore news first. Oh, bye, Kyle. Bye, Kyle. Uh, I saw the I, I saw the Kevin him? or the Kellen Moore news first. Yeah. I did not see the the aspect of it that Mike McCarthy would be calling plays. Uh, and so I'm interested. I'm interested to see how it pans out, what it actually looks like. It's obviously been a couple of years since McCarthy has been that involved uh, in the offensive play calling, especially. So, yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, but I think, you know, if it doesn't work, then hopefully, probably not because it's the Cowboys, but hopefully if it doesn't work next year, you wash your hands, you blow it up, and you – try and write the ship but we'll see man because it's it's been a minute since he's been in that position and i don't know part of me is just like it's a change and that's just kind of what i wanted from the cowboys this offseason was just make a change in some regards i don't know if this will exactly end up being a great change but we'll see i think when you look at the cowboys We'll get to Texas Tech basketball soon. But when you look at the Cowboys, Dan Quinn being retained, I thought to myself, you know what? That probably means he thinks that he has a chance to still be the Dallas Cowboys head coach in the next two years. Mike McCarthy getting rid of Kellen Moore and the offensive line coach and the running backs coach leads me to believe Mike McCarthy also thinks that Dan Quinn has a good opportunity to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in the next two years. And I think if I think in Mike, Mike McCarthy's respects, if Mike's going to go down, Mike's going to go down because Mike went down and not because Kellen Moore went down. So I, I in some ways, I respect the move from Mike McCarthy. If if you if you want to go down with your own fire, try it. But if it's not successful and it's not successful early, you could see a move in season and it would be Mike McCarthy getting fired. Do you think they can make the playoffs next year and they'll still can them if they lose in, I don't know, wild card divisional? Yeah. Yeah, I think if it, with this move, with Mike McCarthy taking over the offense – um, and I don't know if he'll call plays. I don't know if he'll call plays the whole time. I don't know if he'll um, 
be in a position to, to really be full-time as a play caller. That's what he said today. If he is and they lose in the wild card round, he will be fired because this is a move that says, hey, we expect to be in the Super Bowl. If you can't do that, you're not going to do it here. Yeah, wild card. I think if you lose wild card, he's canned. If you lose divisional, I think he's probably still canned. Um, I agree. And that's a that's a lot of decades that you're you're trying to snap a streak with, but we'll see. Uh, D Wayne wants to know if this is a poncho. No, it's a short sleeve hoodie. Thank you, poncho. Speaking of Belichick. Yep. Yeah, I went full Belichick here. It is the game guard version of the camo, though. Wearing a Campbell Gautos hat from Cardinals. Hey, we're in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. Uh, if you need to gear up for any sport or sporting event in the next few weeks, you can do it at Cardinals Sports Center, either in person in Lubbock, Texas, or Plano, Texas, where we are represented today, or online at mycardinalsports.com. Kyle, do you know you dropped out there for a couple minutes? Yes. Okay. I left on purpose to go uh, check the bird because I've got some tweets popping off right now. So I'll just oh. make sure there's nobody I had to <laughs> respond to. Some tweets popping off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get to Texas Tech basketball. Uh, hey, but before we do, uh-huh. uh, Cincinnati versus Kansas City in the AFC Championship game was kind of like Texas Tech LSU. Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. Do you know what they eat in Cincinnati? Skyline chili? Absolute garbage. Oh. You don't like so skyline the, chili? No, I prefer Rahino barbecue chili or anything else they serve up at Rahino barbecue. So if the fine people of Cincinnati uh, want to cope with the L, now that they have a new mayor, Patrick Mahomes, maybe he can like issue some citywide decree that he's replacing skyline chili with Rahino barbecue. And get the fine, wonderful people of Cincinnati, our new Big 12 brethren, the people of Cincinnati, some ribs, some brisket, some turkey, uh, brisket burgers, Texas Twinkies. The people of Cincinnati deserve better. And so I think that should be act number one as Mayor Mahomes begins his tenure there to get some Rahino barbecue shipped out to Cincinnati. I'm in. We need to head out to Olton, too. Yeah, we do. It's been a while. Okay, continue with the segue. All right. Uh, you know you know what I didn't do there, Kyle, when you interrupted me? I didn't What's just that? completely shut down and uh, move on. I, I allowed you to, to give, your, give your piece. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great when you okay. let me get through an ad read. <laughs> um, Texas Tech basketball beating LSU, finishing a game in which uh, it really looked like they were not going to do for a while calling some good timeouts, letting some young guys get some run. Kerwin Walton, five of six. Money, thoughts on the game? You needed it. You definitely needed a win. Um, bye, Kyle, again. Um, I mean, again. <laughs> to come off of a, you know an eight-game losing streak, you, you needed that one. Um, especially against a, a team that's as bad as LSU is, you you really couldn't afford to lose that one or else it was going to feel like the sky was really starting to fall. Um, I've seen a lot of different kind of opinions on the win and what it means going forward. And I think a lot of people are viewing this in terms of resume, uh, but kind of where I'm at right now is 
Tech isn't making the tournament. Uh, and so they just need to take wins where they can get them. Um, and I think in that game, you finally got some offensive juice. You made shots. You actually had your best offensive performance on the road in terms of a points per possession basis uh, since you went to Waco and played the eventual national champions in the game where Macy Oteague made 10 threes and you just kind of had to keep shooting to keep up in that game. And so you had a pretty crazy efficient night shooting the basketball. I don't think you can replicate 61% from deep every night, but I do think that there were some things that were promising, especially Kerwin Walton making shots. I thought Elijah Fisher playing a career high in minutes. He had his up, ups and downs, but he gives your team some length that it really needs. Kevin O'Banner had a game where I think he really needed to shake whatever was going on with him, see the ball go through the basket a couple of times. Davion Harmon played a pretty good game, eight assists, um, really, really showed that he could, you know, kind of run that role at least for now. Uh, while Pop is out, we'll see what happens once you get back to the league, especially tomorrow night, playing one of the best defensive teams in the conference. But I think where I'm at right now, put all the, the quality of the win aside. We can get into that if we want. But you put all the net rankings aside, all the all the analytical models aside, which I, I do like to reference. And this was just a game that you needed to win. You want it. They clawed back in. You look at the win probability charts. Texas Tech has it's kind of like up and down and up and down and up and down, but you finally, you finally closed it out. And I think that that gives you something to hang your hat on. It gives you at least somewhat of a pulse before the Cyclones come to town tomorrow night. Um, and, and you've at least got some life in you. You unmuted Kyle, were you going to say something? Yeah. So I, uh, I don't have a whole lot to add here because I didn't get to watch any of the game. Uh, I mostly have some questions if y'all are able to answer them for me. I can, we can do like interview style here. Uh, but what was the score at halftime? Were we winning at halftime? Yes. It was a five-ish point game. 41 okay. to 33 at half. Okay, so we were up by eight. And we won by about eight, right? Okay. I was just curious because of that the trend we've observed earlier in the season versus Big 12 opponents about kind of just completely tanking after halftime on those win probability charts. Um, what the heck? I don't want to be negative Nancy after our first win against a team with a pulse all year. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because Eastern Washington, as of today, is actually a better win than LSU. But is it possible to like almost have more questions after a win in terms of like, okay, Kerwin Walton started the season as a six-man, disappears, doesn't get any minutes, and then comes back and looks like he can't miss. Elijah Fisher, highly touted guy, young guy. I, I don't know. He gets no minutes. It's like we're begging him to transfer. Ryan, you noted that he's removed all mentions of Texas Tech from his social media profiles. And it's like, okay, we finally – it's almost like he just is holding us hostage and it's like, okay, we're finally going to give him some minutes because we know he's pissed off. And then he plays well. Uh, like, And you you have this 0-10 start against quad one and quad two teams. What do you have to lose by letting some young guys go get some experience? So I'm glad we won. I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I agree, Ryan. It's not like a, a resume win because I think you're just too far gone for that discussion. But I'm almost – I just have more questions now about the – 
roster management, the coaching staff on why guys like Kerwin Walton and Elijah Fisher weren't featured more prominently when clearly whatever else you were trotting out there wasn't working very well. That's something I've been harping on. Like you're you're 0-7, 0-5, 0-6, 0-7, 0-8 in Big 12 play. What does it hurt to play these other guys? And I understand you go out and play them and, and you have kind of a wider bench because you're playing a team like LSU, I guess. You're not in conference play. You, you've loosened it up again. But one of the huge things you've been missing is a, is a long wing defensively to jump a passing lane or get some rebounds in the mid-range, some of these longer rebounds that are just standing there and just bouncing back to guards. Who did that? Elijah Fisher. And if he can not do that in the Big 12, I guess he can't, and you're not going to see him, and you're not, he's not going to get the ability to. But, I mean, nine rebounds, two steals, and five points in 20 minutes, that, it's not, that's not bad minutes from a freshman at all and if he makes the bunny that he missed and and maybe one of the other contested layups or makes a free throw or two he's up to nine and eight and that's exactly where you want him to be well there was a a point in the season where it looked like that sixth man role was in flux and like certainly your bench production was lacking but then it looked for a little while like Lamar Washington had kind of carved that out. And even though he's a true freshman, it seemed like the coaching staff was trusting him with some pretty big minutes. And so I just don't know, man. It, it, it's nearly February, and it feels like the coaching staff still doesn't even know their own roster that well. And I get it. Guys ebb and flow. They have good weeks of practice, bad weeks of practice. There have been some injuries. But I don't know. It, it, it just seems like the people paid to do this um, – should have kind of sorted this out and had a better idea about who their roster is and some of the best lineup combos to put out there would be earlier in the season. So I don't know what you make of that, Ryan, but when I was looking at the box where I was like, sweet, Kerwin Walton had a great game. Elijah Fisher played well in his minutes, but why didn't we see this any sooner? Yeah, and I think the the verdict has been out on Fisher really before he even reclassified and that this was a guy that's going to be really raw. Um, even even you know expecting him to be a 23 guy he just didn't have a lot in his offensive bag that was promising in terms of projecting onto this level of college basketball at an elite level now that's not to say that he isn't going to be a good college basketball player it's just saying he's raw it's going to take some time and at moments his athleticism is going to take over but other than that you're going to have to surround him with guys he he can't be the guy and so i think when you've got a guy like that who's raw and probably isn't ready to be playing you know 20 minutes night in and night out you've got to see something from him that shows up elsewhere and that was rebounding against lsu which it is, you know, rebounds get inflated in terms of their importance, but it truly is an effort stat, um, especially when three of those nine are offensive rebounds and you're essentially playing a, a wing role, a big wing role. And so I think that that shows that he's willing to kind of buckle down, make the hard plays, put in the work on the glass. Uh, that's really promising. And I think if he can do that, then he's just going to keep earning minutes. And so... I'm excited about what I saw. I still think he's pretty raw. I, I don't know what he'll look like in, in Big 12 play. I'm excited to see kind of what they do with his minutes against Iowa State. But 
I'm with you. The rotations are kind of all over the place. And even in this game, when you're without Pop Isaacs and kind of felt like Lamar Washington was starting to form into a, a really solid backup primary ball handler. And then he plays six minutes, like the same amount as KJ Allen, which I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't really like that. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see what happens. I think right now that the reality is with this team, this team fully healthy is not a deep team. Like this is a seven man rotation probably at best. And so I don't really think we'll ever get to a point where there's a clear six man or six starter, whatever you want to call it. I think that this is really just going to be plug and play. And when you find something that works, you're just going to keep trying to utilize that tap into that. And when it doesn't, you got to be willing to adjust and make some changes, which is where I think things have been a little bit delayed. Um, Obviously when you go on an eight, eight game losing streak, that tends to happen. Um, But it's, it's really a mystery. I think tomorrow night will tell me a lot more than Saturday did in terms of kind of where this team is headed, what the coaching staff is thinking in terms of the rotation and really what they can be. Defensively, does it make sense to run a lineup of Lamar Washington, Tyson, Elijah Fisher, O'Banner and Bacho. I mean, just to to up the defense. I don't know if that offensively is exactly what you want, uh, but in stretches, especially against a team like Iowa State, it feels like that could be a good five to eight minute run where you could just get some def- def- defense out there, especially on the perimeter. Yeah, that's a pretty salty defensive squad. Um, Ryan, you tweeted this. It sounds like really obvious, but the importance of shot making, which like, yeah, duh, in the sport of basketball, making shots is helpful. But uh, it's been a rough go at times offensively, and that's where Kerwin Walton, uh, kind of on a heater lately, was super helpful on Saturday. And you're not going to expect him to kind of maintain this level of efficiency over the long haul. But even if he dropped off a little bit, you know, he'd still be a solid offensive player the way he's shooting. Um, talk about his importance, I guess, uh, to this team's offensive dynamic, because the numbers you put out there kind of indicate there's nobody else really even close to him in terms of offensive efficiency lately. Yeah, you're a terrible three-point shooting team. You're dead last in the Big 12 and and three-point percentage. You're sub-30% right now, which is terrible. It's even worse when your opponents are making like 36% from deep because your defense hasn't been good. And so, I mean, this is a three-point shooting sport now. You've got to be able to shoot the ball to win. Um, And so to have a guy like Kerwin Walton, who's been reliably making shots, when he's on the floor, your offense is immediately going to be better. And for all the talk about the Steve Green offensive scheme and what's really happening with the offensive playbook. None of this works if you don't have shooters. None of it. I mean, your offense just shrinks. And part of that has been, you know, Kevin O'Banner has been a complete no-show from deep for most of this season. I really hope that he can stack stack the success that he had on Saturday. Pop Isaacs has been huge in terms of just generating shots from the perimeter, both his own and shots for other guys. But 
looking at a guy like Kerwin Walton, it's kind of crazy. I'm um, just mentioning his, his up and down start to the season, you know, playing a lot of minutes early in non-conference. Then he's at the end of the bench and I'm at the point when I'm like, I've, I feel like I haven't seen him in a couple of games. Like this is just going to be a guy that's almost like a, a Sardar Calhoun type where you brought in a guy to be a shooter and if he's not making shots, then he's not going to play. But now you've got Kerwin Walton, who's 21 of 42 on the season. And so I think that's that's a really promising development. I don't think he'll continue to be a 50% three-point shooter. But even, you know, 36-plus will do this team a lot of good. Well, something you said there, again, I don't want to rain on the parade here. Because I know LSU is our Super Bowl. Feels like and, you do a little bit. And we're we're now one and ten against these types of power six schools. Um, all off season, it seemed like they were recruiting a different style of team versus last season's Sweet Sixteen squad, where you had great defenders all around, and yeah, horrible, like historically bad three point shooting. And so they bring in guys like Kerwin Walton. Demarion Williams, Fardaz, who was a good three-point shooter, not at a high volume, and of course he's been hurt. But it seemed clear they were trying to sort of transform the identity of this team. And to parlay all of that into still sucking at three-point shooting is either a miss on the recruiting, a miss on the development, or a miss on the implementation of the scheme. Whether it's one, two, or a combination of all three of those, I think it's it doesn't reflect great on the on the staff. And so that's been disappointing. And I guess Kerwin Walton is kind of like the the lone beacon, the only guy kind of doing what he was recruited to do as far as three-point shooting goes. And you had you hit on a couple other guys like him that could shoot that well at a at a high volume and you know play 20 to 30 minutes a, a night, maybe the season would look a little different. But I think that's a failure when you pretty clearly say, okay, we're going to go a different direction. We're going to be a better three-point shooting team. And you're still way worse than all your peers. Um, that's just not so great. And there's almost been an, an admit of defeat there. I mean, publicly from Adams. I mean, he has publicly said, hey, this offseason, we need to get older. We need to find a guy. We need to bring in some talent. And that's almost like a way of, to me, it's just saying like, yeah, uh, we swung and we, you know, we hit a couple of good balls, but we also whiffed on some of these. And yeah. I think part of it is just it you had a blueprint last year that worked really well and you veered off of that. And so we'll see. I mean, it, you've still got a couple of weeks of basketball left. Uh, got to make the most of them, which won't be easy. If you're looking at uh, analytical models, I'm looking at T rank right now, you're projected to lose your next nine games uh, and then cap off the season with a win against Oklahoma state. So it's going to be tough sledding, man. This conference is not easy any year, but this year especially, you're going to have to fight night in, night out. I think part of what drew a lot of fans, myself included, to Joey McGuire in the football program this season was like they were very public about this is what we're going to do. And like he talked about the brand. They made a freaking documentary about the brand. And he was pounding his chest all offseason. We're going to be the toughest, hardest-working, most competitive team in the country. And that's great to say. But had they just showed up like the Texas Tech teams of the last decade, then it would have been like just empty words, you know. But over and over, they found themselves in tough spots. 
And even when I'm like, you know, a fan, I'm, I've got fragile emotions and I'm watching the game and I'm like, Oh, we just blew it. And then Joey Maguire's teams come storming back and they prove that they're really freaking tough between the years that they're not ever going to quit that you can't count, count them out. And so they like backed up what they were saying. And I think there's something to that. If you say, Hey, our offensive identity is going to be smash mouth football. We're going to move bodies, run the ball down your throat. And then you go out and average like two and a half yards per carry and then throw it 45 times a game. That's a failure to live up to your identity, your scheme. And so I, I think that was so great about the football program and like the fans start to hop on the bandwagon. Like, okay. Yeah. We're the toughest, most competitive, hardworking. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but yeah, to say we're going to be better at three point shooting. And then yeah, halfway through conference, I'd be like, well, we still suck at this. We need to bring in older guys, better shooters because we totally failed at what we were trying to do is kind of a pretty significant admission. Like you said. Yeah. And I think you, you just need an identity at this point. I mean, you look at the team last year and you look at the team this year and there's almost like no continuity between the two. I mean, they look like two completely different programs. And so I think it's about finding an identity and then leaning into that, which, I mean, the defensive model seemed to work pretty well. Um, and so we'll see what happens this offseason. Yeah, that's that's my whole thing. Like, going back to all of the years you've had success, last year, the Elite Eight, the Elite Eight run – uh, you had an offensive identity. Your offensive identity was Keenan Evans at the end of games, right? And then the next year it was Jarrett Culver and and Tariq Owens defensively, kind of the eraser. That was your identity. Then you kind of wandered, you know, uh, as Jamias Ramsey, our identity, you're kind of 500. You don't go to the tournament because it's COVID and then you have Mac McClung. You go to the tournament. Yeah, the band. You go to the tournament. It says otherwise. Okay. Uh, and then you and the, you might have qualified for the tournament with Jamias Ramsey. And then you go to uh, Mac McClung. You know, what's the identity? Kyler Edwards is mad. We're kind of going back and forth. Um, <laughs> who is D Wade? <laughs> and then and then last year you had an obvious identity in defense and hard nose and tough and Bryson Williams. And then this year you're back to kind of leaderless. When you have a guy, you're so much better. And that's so dumb to say, I guess, because in college basketball, you look at every team ever, and you have the guy, right? You just don't have that. You haven't had that a few years. And when you have had it, and it's been on the offensive side, Jemias and Mac McClung, those were your two worst years in the last six. So uh, I don't know why in the last two years, Mark Adams has been so kind of in the off season, so worried about the offense, just do what you do, man. Just buy and buy back into the culture, buy back in that you're going to be the best defensive team in the country and score enough. And I think that's, that's going to be a plan. And if Mark Adams is the head coach here in three years, that's what he did. He bought back in and just went defense and went and got some tough, long defenders and scored inside the paint and mucked it up for everybody else. By the way, Elijah Fisher, underrated passer, I thought, at LSU. He was only credited with one assist, but I thought he found some good passes and a couple of skip passes, which you don't see from Texas Tech very much. My last thought on this, I you're, you're talking about the guy. That's 100% true. 
I really do think they thought Fardos was going to be the guy this year. Um, and obviously injuries play into that, but that also feels like a, a veer off course compared to what the rest of the big 12 is doing in a model that's proven to be successful is you've got teams like Baylor, Iowa state, Kansas that are getting long athletic. They're focusing on the defensive end and those teams offensively orient around guards. Uh, Baylor obviously always kind of has like this random tall guy down low that just gives you a headache every game. Kansas always runs like five, six, seven guys at a time. Um, but then it's like you you kind of saw this big man in the portal who is talented. And I really do think that he was one of the best available players in the portal last year. And it was like, let, let's redesign our entire offense around this. And then he gets hurt. And so a lot of things not falling in your favor there, but I do think that the blueprint for tech the last couple of years has been when we've got a guy offensively, it's a guard, specifically a guard that can go get his own shot. That doesn't always lead to the most efficient offense. Like you mentioned, Jamias Ramsey, Mac McClung, those guys could be headaches at times. Even Jarrett Culver had his moments where it was like, dude, what are you doing? Um, but I think that's a blueprint that's worked for tech the last couple of years. I think that's what they've really got to do this off season is get a guy who can get his own bucket and preferably one that does so at an efficient clip. Hot rod, right guy. Were y'all surprised at all that Iowa state is only about a one and a half point favorite tomorrow night? No, nothing surprises me in the big 12 as far as home lines. Uh TCU coming off the 20-point win in Lawrence was a three-point dog in Morgantown. And they were 0-6. Right, guy? I might be more surprised at the fact that analytical models are projecting you as about a one-point dog. So it's very surprising to me that Vegas is lining up with the model here because they beat the brakes off of you earlier this season and so i mean that that kind of feels like that would swing you in into a tough position obviously tech at home has been a very favorable line for the red raiders the last couple of years but it's surprising to me that this game is hovering around one point both in terms of projections and from vegas yeah i wasn't expecting like a huge line or anything but i think maybe the home court advantage is a little overstated based on where it has been in years past versus like the last few home games where it hasn't been 15,000 people in there. Um, I was thinking more in the neighborhood of like Iowa State by four. You know, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't expecting some huge line, um, you know, being a home dog, but I, it was a lot more narrow than I expected. And I've referenced this before on the podcast, but that's part of why I enjoy following sports betting odds, even if you're not placing a wager, just to kind of get a sense of where the smart people kind of anticipate. Because it used to drive me crazy when tech football fans would gripe after a loss. Like, how did you lose to – and I'm like, well, you were eight-and-a-half-point dogs. Like, you weren't expected to win that game more than, I don't know, 20% of the time. And so now it's kind of the script has been flipped and – People think we suck. Iowa State's going to boat race us by 25 tomorrow, and they might. But the odds makers, you know, are still giving you a ton of credit. And so I, I like to 
look at some of the same analytics models you do, Ryan, and pay attention to the odds market, even if even if you're not placing a wager, to kind of get a sense for a baseline of expectations, I guess. And I think tech fans that don't follow sports betting that close, you'd be surprised to learn that it's pretty close to a coin flip tomorrow. And I think one thing that really works in your favor there is when you ran into Iowa State earlier this year, you were really struggling with the turnover bug. I mean, you turned the ball over on 27.8% of your possessions that game, which is terrible. Um, And you've been decent the last couple of games. It hasn't been great, uh, but you've managed to get it under control, at least to some degree. Iowa State is actually the best defense in the country at forcing turnovers. And so you're about to see tomorrow night uh, just how much the improvement has been made in terms of protecting the ball, what the offensive scheme looks like against Big 12 competition. So I'm excited. Uh, I think that win against LSU really helped you kick some of the dust off your feet, at least get your head up a little bit. And now you've got a a real test against what I really do think is the first or second best defensive team in the country. I mean, they're good. They're really good. So we'll see. Is uh, Caleb Grill expected to play? Do we know? He didn't play against... uh against Mizzou. Missouri. Now, by the way, home teams 8 and 2 in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, Kansas and uh Texas Tech, the only road teams that won. Um any any real surprises? I was not surprised at the Iowa State. Well, I was surprised at how bad they lost, but I wasn't surprised they lost. I was not surprised at all that Oklahoma beat Alabama. Was surprised it was by 30. Uh Port- yeah. that's a classic Porter Moser spot. Um, he, he, nobody else is better at beating good teams and losing to bad teams than Porter Moser. <laughs> uh, that's why he was so good in the NCAA tournament at, uh, Loyola. He's just an upset guy. Um, any other, any other results surprise you uh, beyond that? TCU, TCU Mississippi state was TCU a bit was of a surprise yeah. to me. Uh, Chris Jans is a hell of a coach, yes. but that's a program that still feels like they're a couple of years away. Um, and so to go into that game and and lose in overtime, obviously Mike Miles went down with the injury, so they weren't at full strength. But that's a that's a result that surprised me when I was looking into LSU stuff before the game. While I was obviously still focused on LSU, uh, a lot of Mississippi State popping up kind of right there at the bottom of the SEC with LSU. And so to see them knock off TCU was was a bit of a surprise to me. You said Mississippi State's head coach. You're you're fond of him. I I do enjoy his scheme. Yeah, tell me a little bit about his resume and his scheme. Yeah, so he this is his first Power Five job, I believe. Came over from New Mexico State. They're they're a team that really wants to live on the defensive end of the ball. Their offense has been dreadful this year, like really bad. They're 331st in the country in effective field goal percentage, which is just terrible. But you look at their defense; they're 14th. And T rank and defensive efficiency. They turn they force their opponents to turn the ball over a lot. They defend the perimeter really well. Um, they just have no offense. They have no offense this year, which is a lot like another coach that I'm fond of that's quite a bit closer to me um, and is coaching basketball in Denton, Texas right now. So I think this is a scheme that you've gotta you've gotta be really intentional 
and how you construct your roster and finding that balance, which is exactly what I think Mark Adams tried to do this offseason was find the balance. And I think they overcorrected one way. But, yeah, I, I think Chris Jans is a is a good coach. He's got some, some good energy to him as well. Um, made the tournament last year. I think they went like 27 and 12. He had a couple of uh, tournament teams earlier in the year. I think the only year he didn't make the tournament – at New Mexico State was the COVID year. So, they, I mean, he's a guy that, that's won at a high level for, for quite a bit. Well, Mississippi State is certainly not a high-level basketball program. You know, the, a program with better resources, uh, maybe more fan engagement. Could be enticed to a guy like Chris Jans if he, if he wanted to take the next step in his career. Is it Jans or Jans? Chris well, I hope it's Jans. Chris Jans. Is that is he? Uh, it's a he soft the Germanic J. Or, origin. Yeah, it's a soft J. Yeah. Uh, did you know one time? All right, quick, uh, getting to know the Gauchos. Of course. Um, so I had a, a freshman football coach who called me Jakobsen, and I thought it was funny. And so when I went off to uh, Austin College to be a, a kangaroo up in Sherman, uh, you know the coaches were still like getting to know the players names and like so they're watching film and they don't know who's who and they're like who is this and like point at me with the laser pointer and i was like that's jacobson coach he was like jacobson i thought your last name was jacobson i was like no it's actually like i'm of norwegian descent it's jacobson and he called me jacobson for the rest of the semester you never corrected him um no i think he knew i was joking but he didn't correct himself so he just he just went with it that's good. I'm going to start calling you Jakobson. Yeah. Cool story, bro. Will you tell us the Subway story? Yeah. So one time I went into Subway and I had these – or that they were running a special for a six-inch sub for $2. Uh-huh. And this is during the era of the $5 foot long. So I was like, well, if they're, you know, if they're selling you 12 inches of sandwich – two pieces at a time six inches six inches that'd, that'd be four dollars right so i wonder if there's also a corresponding deal on the foot long because it wouldn't make any sense for the six inch to cost less per inch than the foot long like usually the more you buy in bulk right. the better per unit you know the the price is so i asked the cashier i was like oh, how, how much is it for a foot long you know because i you know that's how much sandwich i ate she's like well it's five dollars and just had this like totally blank look on her face and I was like trying not to laugh. I was like, I mean, do you see why that's stupid? I was like, okay, then like give me two six inch uh, cold cuts then instead of like the foot long. And she rang it up and it was four dollars. But I was like, how is this not like three fifty or something? It didn't make any sense. But uh, anyway, that's my subway story. You're a cold cuts guy. Oh, uh, that's what I got back in the day. Okay, what's your go to subway sandwich now? I don't really go to Subway, but probably yeah. either like the Philly cheesesteak or the meatball sub. Did you see they got, came out with a new one with the meat, meatball sub that has pepperonis on it? I didn't see that because I haven't been to Subway in like eight years. Well, there's a commercial all over the place. They showed it like six times tonight. The boss. I, I, don't, pay, I don't pay attention to commercials because I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm not buying what you're selling. Okay. You know? Ryan, what's your go-to uh, Subway sandwich? Chicken bacon ranch. Mm, that's a good one. I used to do the roasted chicken. I got a free subway. I have a, a subway sandwich story. Uh, I went to Subway one time, and uh, the lady was like, "Hey, uh, do you know what a BMT stands for? If you know what it means, I'll give you the sandwich for free." And I was like, "Yeah, the the uh, Boston Manhattan Transit, but Subway calls it the bigger, meatier, tastier." So I got a free sandwich because I knew both. 
I okay. We need to. I found Ryan, Ryan, do you, Ryan, you have a subway story? <laughs> yeah, we need to like start bench cut the subway stories. Actually, I do. Okay. <laughs> it almost has nothing to do with subway. Okay. I was really young, probably like eight or nine. I was on a trip, a vacation to Washington D.C., and my family was eating subway in this food court mall. No idea why we chose to eat lunch in a food court. Um, but we were eating Subway and at some point I'm like, Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Like, I guess I'll just go on my own kind of young, but I'll, I'll knock myself out. Uh, and so I go to the bathroom in this food court and it's a, it's a single, um, privacy, which I enjoy. And I lock the door, take care of business, ready to leave, try to open the door. It doesn't open, just doesn't open. And so I'm pressing the lock. Nothing's happening. Keep messing with the handle. Nothing's happening. And so at some point, like eight-year-old me is like, I'm I'm stuck in this food court bathroom where it's loud. My parents are like yards away from me. There's no way. And so I just started freaking out, just banging on the door. At some point, this subway worker walks over and opens the door. I'm like bawling in tears and she's like are, are you okay and i just like run run straight to my parents so that's my subway story um lots oh. of childhood trauma in there yeah um probably why i'm not a subway frequenter but hey do you lock bathrooms now or do you are you the guy that doesn't lock bathrooms anymore depends i really like to lock doors at any chance very paranoid person um especially if i'm like in public or at somebody's house where there's a lot of people really like to not play Russian roulette by leaving the door open. So typically I'm a locked guy, but every once in a while I'll lock it. And my mind will just go back to being eight years old in Washington DC and getting stuck. Now it feels like I can't breathe. So very glad we got to share our stories. Yeah. Rob, have you ever been locked in a restroom? I've been stuck in a restroom. Yes. Uh, got stuck in a stall one time. A different kind of story, though. I got locked in a restroom. Sounds like kind of a similar deal to Ryan, but I was older. This is. Do we have time for another getting to know the gauchos? Yeah, man, we got all the time in the world. So I was. This is back when Mrs. Jacobson was actually just my girlfriend, mm. and I drive to Waco to ask her parents if I'm allowed to ask her to marry me. And like as I'm leaving her house, which that conversation went well, by the way. I go to the gas station to get more gas because I have to drive back to Austin and I use the restroom. There's a sign that says like, do not lock the door. And I was like, well, that's a stupid sign. Like I'm in the restroom. Um, So I lock the door and same deal. Like it doesn't unlock from the inside or it doesn't open. Um, And so like same deal, I'll just start like banging on the door and the employee comes. He was like, it says like, don't lock the door. I was like, well, you're an idiot because I'm in a public restroom I'm not going to leave the door unlocked while I'm in here. Right. It's like, how how about you fix your door? Like, you know, there's a problem with it. So that's the only time I was locked in a restroom. It took me like 10 seconds to get out. Um, We did, uh, when I was growing up in uh, the house I grew up in, obviously, the bathroom was one of those uh, push, push buttons. And then the other side was like a little hole. You have to put the, the ice pick in there to unlock it. Got locked in that a few times. <clears throat> there's a, there's a kind of a, it's like a closet 
shelving unit that would that had a window into it. So, all right, I'm uh, I'm starting Ryan's subway story, benching mine, and cutting yours, Rob. I have one more subway story that I can't tell on this uh, show, but okay. the, I'm just going to give you the final line of it. I had to eat subway on the home on ho- on the on the way home from a road trip in uh, grippy socks. On a, on the way on the way home of a road trip to Austin, I didn't have any shoes left and only had grippy socks. Were you on your way home during this? From Austin, yes. All right. How about this? From- you have to share the full story in the Discord for Patreon subscribers only. Which, if you want to join patreon.com slash gambling gouges, you get access to the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server, live episodes, um, other perks, exclusive interviews, all that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. You should join. It's only $5 a month. And uh, you get access to Rob's subway story about the time he was on his way home from a road trip. Uh, also, Discord mailbag, which I guess we'll get to presently. Let's do it. Uh, Sponsored by Diversified Lenders. Yep. Go ahead. Can I finish? Sponsored by Diversified Lenders. Can I finish? Take your accounts uh, in a receivable and turn them into cash. All right, let me uh, scroll back here. The mailbag got a little wild this weekend. (laughs) Doesn't sound right. Never gets wild. Oh, I have another Never one. goes off the rails in there. I have one that was not on the Discord, just from Twitter. Uh, this is from our mutual friend, Kyle. If someone offered you $1,000 for every hour straight you stayed awake, how long do you think you could last? For comparison, the Guinness World Record is 11 days and 25 minutes. So $1,000 per hour, how long could you stay awake? So I've done 24 hours easily, routinely, multiple times. Yeah. I think 36 would be... You know, that would require some effort. I really don't know if I could go more than like 48, 48 hours. Money? 24, maybe. I'm weak. I think of the three of us, I could probably last the longest, but it would probably be close. I'm not sure what strategies I would employ to keep myself awake. Like, yeah, are you allowed to you know yeah i'm sure okay caffeine or whatnot yeah yeah caffeine that's what i was thinking go for a walk yeah watch a movie i, well, I was trying to sleep last night and i was like oh, i'm gonna start this movie and then i watched a whole movie and i was like oh, i'll start another one just to fall asleep to and i watched two <laughs> movies last night two full movies. it's like four hours i was up last night just trying to sleep i've actually been doing that with audiobooks because you can set a timer for like 30 minutes yeah and the one I'm listening to right now is like super boring. And so I listen to it on like slow-mo, you know, like 0.8 speed and it puts me right to sleep. It's great. All right, let's uh, get to the discord mailbag. What is your favorite non-essential kitchen gadget slash device? Non-essential kitchen gadget. I've got a really solid coffee setup. Um, I've got an espresso machine, high quality grinder, a lot of pour over equipment. None of that is necessary, but huge coffee guy. And I, I dig my coffee home setup. Big coffee guy. Um, <laughs> that's a good comment, Ryan. Um, I mean, imagine that same scenario, but Rob's subway story, that'd be even worse. Um, 
this is probably a stupid answer to your question, but there's these like, uh, I don't know what you'd call them. It's like a koozie, but for a, a bowl, like a hot soup or something. And so it's great if you want to be mobile and like eat on the couch or something, but you don't like, you don't have anything to set the bowl on, but it's too hot to hold in your hands. And so, um, we use those a lot in the winter when we're eating like chili soups and things like that. That's pretty clutch, but it's not necessary. I wouldn't say. Can you grab a towel? Yeah. Like I, I used to live without them and then somebody gifted them to me. I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Is it a one size fits all most bowls or is it, yeah. is it pretty yeah. snug to a certain bowl? No, it, it's one size fits most. Okay. Yeah. Uh, say the football team and basketball team played five on five. Who would the football team run out to keep it respectable? Tyree Wilson to anchor the middle. Uh, six six two seventy five with with the arms there. I think that uh, I think he could probably do all right for himself as a as a defensive big man. Um. I don't know. Did who played basketball in high school from the current football roster? I know Cameron Cantrell can dunk. Yeah, is he? I mean, are we counting Tyree Wilson? Well, I don't. Maybe not. Maybe that's yeah. a reach. Well, how about Miles Cole for the same? Yeah, same Miles role. Cole. Um. All right, Miles Cole, Cameron Cantrell, help me out here, right guy. Who would you put out there? He had to have been a freshman or a sophomore at the time, but when I was a student at Tech uh, and I would go in the rec center, Sir Roderick Thompson would be playing basketball almost every time I was at the rec, just playing pickup, and he was good, a really good ball handler. He's obviously a very explosive guy, um, and so I'm, I'm taking him as my lead guard and just letting him wreck dudes. I would venture to guess there's probably quite a few – basketball hoopers on the uh on the roster can i cheat and take anthony white yes <laughs> he's coming did did um did jaron bradley play basketball with jalen tyson in high school Ooh, there is some football player yes. receiver yeah was it jaron bradley he's, i mean he's a legit six five lanky guy I'd, I'd put him out on the squad yeah a lot of those wide receivers he had a couple basketball offers too, if I'm not mistaken. I gotta look that up. Like Trey Cleveland, like yeah. you got some length there. Yeah. All right, we've got a somewhat formidable roster form in here. Tyler Shuck. Yep. He's tall. Need a point guard. <laughs> Who is one player from this year's team you'd want to add to a Texas Tech basketball team from the past? I would, uh, maybe O'Banner to like that Mac McClung team. Maybe on the, um, two, on the two elite eight runs, there's not a guy on this team. I would want to like, I would replace yeah. any of those guys with. Let's assume that the COVID year you would get to play in the tournament. If you make it that far, you needed a big man. I mean, you had TJ Holyfield out there at six foot seven with a bum shoulder. He was your only big man. Yeah. And so could you put a Bacho or an O'Banner even just to kind of like reinforce the depth um, in the For front sure. court? There? I think that might be a good fit. Bacho, Bacho on several of those teams, I think would fit. Yeah. But I, I'm like, drawing if, a blank. 
I would not put like I would add this whole roster to like 2013. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, thinking like who's a guy I could put on the 17-18 team to really push them over the ledge, help them kind of fight through Keenan's injury. But at that point, like Pop's the best player, and that right. team obviously ran through Keenan. So yeah. maybe yeah. as a sixth man, put him out there when Keenan can't go, or let him play the middle ten. Uh, how quickly does men's basketball? get passed by the baseball team in total wins this year. <laughs> Man. So you're at 11 wins right now on the season? Yep, 11 and 10. Let's call it 15 wins total by the end of the season. Baseball could get there in a hurry, especially with some of these. I think there are some four-game series on the schedule really early in the season. If those are three out of four or, or full-on sweeps, I mean – uh, it could be, it could be spring break. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Uh, at what point do we quit focusing on our next basketball opponent and start focusing on Gonzaga baseball? I'm there. Uh, I I am pretty focused on Iowa State. We've got a good meme cooked up for tomorrow, so I, I guess I can't say that I'm only focused on Gonzaga. I'm still focused on Iowa State. I'm focused on the Eagles, too. You dropping that at 8.06 in the morning, or is that going to be a, if we win, you're going to post it? No, no, i got to post that no matter what. It's too good. Okay. Uh, is Kyle the reason the Red Raiders haven't won a Big 12 game yet? Haven't won since his move to Fort Worth. Follow-up question, will Kyle own his mistake? No, because we didn't win before I moved to Fort Worth either, so I don't see that as the as the X factor. To be fair, this question was asked before the LSU game, and so we hadn't won period since you left, but now they've gotten a win in. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, I lived in Lubbock uh, in Maui. I lived in Lubbock, or I didn't live in Lubbock, but I was back and forth. I was in Lubbock for a couple of those Big 12 losses. So, again, I don't think that's the X factor. So, no, I don't take responsibility. You know, Rob, a wise man once said – only apologize if you've done something wrong. And so I, I'm going to pull a Connor McGregor and apologize to absolutely nobody. LSU was a big 12 win, depending on who you ask. That's true. Jeff Goodman said it was, <laughs> uh, Ryan, I'm going to focus this one at you. Uh, what's our record. If we traded Kerwin and Demarion Williams for baby Buzo and Dolny. You might have, one or two more wins. Yeah. One or two big which is, wins. Yeah. I think you beat Oklahoma. Tough. Yeah, probably so. You might be able to close out that TCU game. Um, especially with just like letting Adonley just face guard Mike Miles and see what happens. How about Texas? Yeah. If you could put Nadolny on Marcus Carr in that second half. Who who wins a series of five games? This roster or um, Nadolny, McCuller, Terrence Shannon, Buzo, Savrasov, uh, and Tetua? All Probably still the, all still playing. Yeah. Probably the second team not. you listed. Nadolny's not, but you think so? Yeah. If you trade Savrasov for Vlad Golden, and Vlad Golden, that, yeah, there you go. That team might go five and zero. Oh. 
just play the rest of the series just for fun. Is Josh Mbala still playing? And Josh, oh, there's ten. There's an eight. Yeah, so those eight versus dude. I was Burton, Bill Walton, kid getting some Jamarius Burton. He's having a good season as well. Dude, if we still had twenty inch blades on the Mbala, there'd be so many good memes. He was the one uh, that I really didn't want to lose in that stretch of bigs that left. He's a dog. Uh, would you take Joey winning one Big 12 football conference championship if the trade-off was men's basketball was 0-54 in conference play over a three-year span? Right, guy? No. This is an easy no to me because Joey's going to get one anyway. You don't have to Yeah, I would roll the dice. Anything. I would roll the dice. Easy. Uh, was Pop the problem the whole time? Confirmed unplayable. <laughs> Dude. Jeez. No. L- okay. We talked about this LSU game, but I, I, I feel the need to say something. LSU sucks. They're bad. And they played bad to finish that game. You played well. You, f- you finished the game strong. But they gave you their best shot in the second half and had zero, especially with the foul trouble with their guard late. That game sucked. If Pop was playing, you probably win by more than eight. I, I don't and the think, thing with, yeah. with them, too, is they should be bad. Like, yes. they lost everyone Literally. off their roster last season. New head coach. They should be bad. And they're, they're going to be bad for a couple of years. I think the account that tweeted that Pop is unplayable thing – even before like the injury and which like that would have been a really funny if they're willing to like accept the cell phone there to like quote tweet their old bad take and be like see we're we're one to know without pop um but even before that they were like asking for an apology about how they were like right all along but they like twisted it into something else yeah and then we're like mad at everyone for ratioing them so it, i don't know weird deal they'll get ratioed again uh Hashtag committee don't care, but does the SEC Big 12 championship uh, results confirm that Texas Tech is a good team caught in an elite conference? That was a really tongue. Let me try that again for the English speakers. Do today's results in the SEC challenge confirm Texas Tech is a good team caught in an elite conference and good just isn't good enough? Or do we still suck and LSU sucks a little less? The second one to me. Yeah. yeah, LSU is very bad, and they're very bad in a worse conference than you're playing in right now. I think if, if we're going to talk about the elite play of the Big 12 and the results from this weekend, like look at that OU-Alabama game. This conference is, is stacked. Yeah. Even the teams that look like they're stuck in the middle or somewhere towards the bottom, the, those teams can beat anybody in the country. Yeah, I think words like good and suck in a question like that are pretty relative. Um, It doesn't make me think that we're like a lot closer to our Big 12 peers than I thought going into the game. But it does kind of make me think, okay, if we were if we were Pac-12, ACC, Big East, you know, nobody would think that we suck. We would just be like a mediocre team in one of those conferences. You're still a good nationally recognized team you're just bad in the big 12 yeah do you know our ken palm off the top of your head ryan i don't but i can check really quick because i mean like i think that i mean that's a pretty trusted 
uh, if you're in the 60s there, like you're still top 20th percentile in the country. So I don't, I wouldn't say you suck, but you're 66 right now. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of teams would probably love to trade places with you there, but that's not good enough to, to do much in the Big 12. So I wouldn't say we're a good team trapped in a tough conference. I'd say we're a mediocre team trapped in the best conference in the country. And it that's tough night to night. 66 is dead last in the Big 12. Yeah. Ninth is Oklahoma. You want to take a guess at where they're at? 30. 28. 37. Yeah. What's West yeah. Virginia now? Um, Top 30? They're at 20. 20, yeah. So we have got, in this conference, you have basically of the top 36 teams in the country, nine of the 10 teams in this conference make up a quarter of those top 36 teams in the country. Yeah. So we're talking second, second weekend teams. If the 32 best teams make the second weekend, we'll have probably seven or eight of them there. That's just you've, crazy. You have six teams in the top 20. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Hey, shout out to the Big 12 Conference for highlighting the Gauchos tweet. Yeah, that was awesome. They, they've done – I don't want to take us on a whole like 20-minute tangent here because I know we want to wrap up, but the social media after the hire of Brett Yormark has been markedly different in a good way. When you have them kind of like chirping at the Pac-12 on TV numbers, postseason numbers, whatever, I think that's a good sign. Like you need to advocate for yourself in – in the world of college athletics today. And then to, yeah, highlight, hey, we were the talk of college basketball Saturday on the SEC Big 12 Challenge by posting 10 or 12 tweets from Big 12 influencers like Mitch Lightfoot, Fran Fraschilla. Mitch I mean, he's a yeah. hey, you guy. Um, like, okay, that's good. Like, you've got all these content creators putting out good stuff about the Big 12, whether it's stupid memes or, you know, high praise from a national commentator like Frischilla. Like, you need to highlight stuff like that. And I feel like the new social media team gets it and has done a good job. And so that's that's been a welcome change. I think it was their handle, too, that tweeted the, it just meant more to us today. Yes. Too, which is chef's kiss. Excellent. I'm going to take some fire for not reading all of these, but I feel like we deleted some and some of them are out of context now. So sorry, guys. Uh, start bench cut 24 hour superpowers. Uh, you can have this superpower for 24 hours flight, communication with animals, or bring back anyone from the dead. I would cut the dead one. I'm going in that order. Yeah. I'm I'm cutting communication with animals. I don't really see how that can be monetized. I'm probably starting bring back somebody from the dead because you can make a crap ton of money on that. Like imagine, hours. imagine if you could have a live concert with Tupac or something. The amount of dough you could bring in and like stream it pay per view. You'd never have to work again. Um, and then bench uh, flying, I guess. I mean, th- that'd be fun, but uh, yeah. How do, how do you prove that you brought him back? And who said Tupac was dead? Well, I'm not saying you have to prove it, but just like if you could be the promoter, like, hey, Tupac right. is back uh, for one night only, you know, that, that would sell a lot of tickets. It's true. 
You're such a capitalist. Uh, Star Bench Cut Girl Scout Cookie Edition Thin Mints, Peanut Butter Patties. Uh, that's the Tagalongs, apparently. And then the Caramel Delights, which is the former Samoas. Starting the Thin Mints, benching the Caramel Delights, cutting peanut butter. Same. I'm throwing all of those in the trash and buying a box of lemonade cookies. I like the, what are they called? Thanks a lot or. Never heard of those. What's the, uh, it's like a shortbread with like chocolate on the back. Oh yeah. Those are good. What's it called? No idea. We cannot move on until we figure this out. We can. Uh, do the Cowboys need a quarterback like Jalen Hurts if they want to do well in the playoffs? Hurts was 15 to 25 for 121 yards, zero touchdowns. They're like the thanks a lots or the you betchas or something like that. Which alumni from your school would you want to coach your team? Kyle's going to go off and Google it. <laughs> I'm trying to find it and I can't. <laughs> They've got a s'mores one. I had a s'mores one a couple of years ago. That was good. Yeah. I I honestly, I don't have a Girl Scout cookie uh, hookup right now. I need to go find one. Alumni that I want coaching my team. Baseball's Lincoln easy. Riley. Baseball's easy. It's uh, Tim Tadlock. I was yeah. way off. They're called Toastiers, and it's like a cinnamon... It's not a chocolate uh, – I, I whipped on that, guys. That's my bad. Yeah, I'd never heard of what you were talking about. I was just trying to move on. Yeah, toastiers. Is it like a snickerdoodle? It's probably similar to that. Okay. Or like a cinnamon roll kind of flavored. But that's yeah. your favorite? You don't know anything about it? Uh, well, they're, they were like new last year. Oh, okay. I think. Which alumni would you want to coach your team, Kyle? In what sport? Well, baseball, we decided it was Tim Tadlock while you were gone. Yeah. Basketball, I mean, you have one now. Coach. <laughs> Sorry. Norin Sodiase. Norin Sodiase <laughs> would be a great one. Darvin Ham, I wanted last year. Darvin Ham, yeah, that's the answer. Uh, and then football. Uh, Lincoln was mentioned. I'd go Lincoln, Aranda, Anthony Lynn. Yeah. Patrick or new retires. Sonny Dykes. Mm. Mm. Garrett Riley. Um, Mateo says John Higley Jr. He also said another one, but asked us not to say it. Oh, he said, uh, what did he say? Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, yeah. We're not going to go there. Rhymes with fart smiles. All right, Maddie. Rob said it, not me. Um, between him and the Liver King, I feel like we really need a punch above our weight class when it comes to alumni you don't want to claim. Who doesn't want to claim a Liver King? He John apolog- Hinckley. He apologized. Okay, now we're off the rails here. Uh, does the AFC Championship count towards the Big Twelve SEC Challenge? Sure. Sure. Just just run up the score. Uh, over under the Big 12 schedule gets released by Wednesday. Doesn't it have to, allegedly? Allegedly. I feel like this is one of those things, just like they say, oh, you have to schedule 12 years out. It'll be out on um, Tuesday. Well, I think the networks could be like, hey, we're giving a 60-day extension. You know, like, it's all made up. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it has to be by February 1st, but unless the networks give you a 30-day extension or, I mean, you could get around that probably. Tuesday, 11 a.m. Do you have a prediction? No. Okay. I'll, I'll trail you. Ryan, do you have a prediction? Later than sooner, probably. Okay. So I'll, I'll take that one and you'll take after that. Dude, I wish that they could just kick out Texas and OU. And yeah. I kind of thought that's what was holding this up and was just like rooting for like, you know what, whatever they want, just – I mean, obviously get what you're owed in some form or fashion, but then, yeah, just let them go. But I don't think that's going to happen. Steven Stevens already renewed his season tickets regardless of the schedule. Good for you. Yeah. I will too. You haven't yet? No, I just got the text last week to renew, so I've got to do that. With your seat backs? Yeah. Hate to brag. No, you don't. Uh, final thoughts? <laughs> uh, I'll let Rye Guy go first. Rye Guy. Beat Iowa State. Don't turn the ball over. Love y'all. Hell yeah. I think that's the perfect way to end it. And go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Love y'all. Love you guys.